I invite you now to open uh, the Pew Bible to the, for the reading of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Again, let me, as we return here to the Ten Commandments uh, for a few weeks, finishing up commandment number 9 and number 10, let me especially encourage our parents, parents of young children to be working with the children at home in the memorization of the Ten Commandments. Uh, Before we read the Scripture, let us receive the instruction from the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, one of our historic catechisms which teaches us the Scriptures. The question today is, we read responsively, What is God's will for you in the ninth commandment? God's will is that I never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not pass out or slander, nor join in giving anyone without hearing or without just thoughts. Rather, in the Lord and everywhere else, I must avoid lying and deceit of every kind. You have the scripture references there printed in the bulletin. I commend that to you for your further study. And then on your insert for sermon notes, you have the instruction from our Westminster Shorter Catechism. And again, I I commend that to you. Uh, This is intended to help us study God's Word and apply it to our lives in real time, as they say real, practical application. Now let us ask the Lord to bless the reading and the hearing of His holy, inerrant, infallible, written Word. Father, we thank You for loving us so much that You would reveal Yourself, Your mind, Your will, Your way to us so that we might flourish in life and have the hope of glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, now to hear what you say and to believe it and to live according to it. For your word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. Shine upon us, we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Word of God, the moral law of God, it is written in unison. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord of God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself You shall not have down to them or serve. 
Amen. And now to Him who loves us, who has freed us, washed us from our sins by His blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, and glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now perhaps from uh, some old, old TV shows like, do you remember this, Perry Mason? Some of you remember Perry Mason, as I do. You remember that sobering question. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Now perhaps some of you have actually had to affirm that oath in a real court of law. On a couple of occasions, I have had to do so, and I will admit it was a little bit unnerving. I mean... I, I had no intention of not telling the truth, but, but I was a little nervous, you know, that I might get tripped up and, and misspeak. But, and by the way, you might find this interesting, that little phrase, nothing but the truth, nothing but the truth. Did you know that that little phrase, nothing but the truth, comes word for word, verbatim, right out of the Bible. That's how it got into that oath. 1 Kings 22:16. That's just another little illustration I mentioned in passing about the fact that the foundations of the American nation were laid upon the truth of the Bible. Well, that oath or some form of it uh which is still used in courts today, of course, is a cornerstone of the American justice system. And in its essence, it is asking, do you solemnly swear to obey the ninth commandment? That's it. And, and by the way, let me just say in passing, you know, we take we sort of take this for granted, but in... In, in, the, in our crumbling civilization, be, because the Christian foundations have been so undermined and are now being uh, not only neglected but rejected, you see, um, we, we, we need to understand that our justice system ab absolutely depends upon an oath 
of, of truth to a, tra- a transcendent God. Because, for example, you remember our, our fellow EPC pastor, Andrew Brunson, who was imprisoned in Turkey. Well, when he went to trial, there was just one false witness after another making false accusations, one rather absurd false accusations right after another in, in, a, in a Turkish court. And everybody knew what was going on. And it was perfectly acceptable. That's how they do their business. That's how they run their court system. By way of false witness and false accusation. Now, we all, you know, I mean, we just, that's just a little aside. It's just a little aside to, to highlight how important this is, and don't, don't take it for granted. The entire justice system of this nation depends upon truth-telling. Truth-telling in the fear of God. Truth-telling with God as your witness. Truth-telling while being held accountable to the God of truth who judges the secrets of the human heart. But it's not only the justice system of the United States which depends upon truth-telling. Every human relationship, every healthy, wholesome, positive, mutually beneficial human relationship depends upon truth-telling. Every positive human relationship depends upon truth-telling. Every marriage depends upon truth-telling. Every parent-child relationship depends upon truth-telling. Every employer-employee relationship depends upon truth-telling. Every business relationship depends upon truth-telling. Every true friendship depends upon truth-telling. True fellowship in the church depends upon truth-telling. Truth-telling is absolutely necessary in every relationship in order for that relationship to be happy, healthy, constructive, and mutually beneficial. It's not too much to say that truth-telling is to human relationships as oxygen is to life on earth. And the reason for this, of course, is that trust, truth, truth is the very foundation of trust. And trust is a very fragile thing. And trust is easily and quickly broken by not telling the truth. And therefore, for the sake of upholding law and order and justice in society, And for the sake of the health and happiness of our personal relationships, God, in His goodness, has given us the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness. Now, after a break of six weeks from our Ten Commandments series, I want to do a quick review of five important points regarding the commandments in general. So we're stepping back and we're going to look at five principles about the moral law of God. And I hope you'll make note of these. Number one, God is good and God's law is good and God's law is for our good. 
God's law is good for us. God's law is an expression of his love for us and his care for us. God has given us his law because he is good and because he loves us. And the keeping of his law protects us, promotes our happiness, and prospers our lives in this world. God is good, his law is good, and his law is for our good. Number two, God's law is good because God's moral law in the Ten Commandments expresses the moral character of God himself. God's law is good because God is good, and his law is an expression of his own moral character. The Ten Commandments are God's moral values. They are not. You've heard me say this. I'm saying it again on purpose, repeating myself. I know. The Ten Commandments are not, they are not an arbitrary list of rules which God capriciously made up just to put us to the test, like rules of a game. No. The Ten Commandments reveal the moral nature of God himself. The Ten Commandments are God's definition of good and evil. The good which conforms to his moral character and is pleasing to him, and the evil which is in rebellion against his moral character and is abhorrent to him. And therefore, a violation of any of the commandments is not simply a matter of breaking a rule. No, not simply a matter of breaking a rule, but is rather a matter of violating God himself personally. Any violation of any of the commandments is an act of personal offense against God himself. A personal rebellion against God and a personal rejection of God. And therefore, number number three, obedience to the Ten Commandments is not merely a matter of external obedience to the letter of the law, but also internal obedience to the spirit of the law. The commandments require not only negative restraint of sinful behavior, but also positive and constructive application of the law for the good of my neighbor. Because I want to do what pleases God, which is to love my neighbor as myself. In other words, the law of God addresses not only our external behavior, but also our internal desires and affections and the inclinations and motivations of our hearts. I have not ever committed homicide. But that does not mean that I have truly and fully kept the sixth commandment, according to God's standard. I have broken it and all the others along with it. Therefore, number four, 
the Ten Commandments show me my sin and my desperate need of a Savior. The Ten Commandments show me my sin and my desperate need of a Savior. And if you have broken any of the commandments in thought, word, or deed, then you are in need, as I am, in desperate need of a sinless Savior who can pay the penalty of your sin and save you from the wrath of God incurred due to your personal offense against Him. You need, as I need, a mediator to bridge the chasm between your unrighteousness and God's righteousness. You need, as I need, a Redeemer who will restore you out of your estrangement from God into a relationship of real life and peace and happiness with God. The Ten Commandments show us our need, our sin, and our need for a Savior, a sinless Savior who will be our substitute, a perfect mediator between God and men, and a merciful Redeemer who will rescue us out of bondage to sin and Satan. And therefore, number five, the good news is that for the believer in Christ, the Ten Commandments are not the way to be saved, but they are the way to live in response to the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. The Ten Commandments show us not only our sin and our need of Jesus Christ and, and thereby lead us to Christ, but they also show us how to live as His disciples, how to live as His people who have been brought up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, so that with joy and gratitude we desire and aspire to walk in His ways and keep His commandments for the glory of His name. Amen. Now, back to the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness. The ninth commandment reflects God's moral character. He is the God of truth, Isaiah 65, 16. He is the God of truth. Truth is of the very essence of God's infinite and eternal being. The Bible says that God is love, but likewise, in different ways, the Bible also says that God is truth. And because truth is an eternal attribute of the eternal nature of God, God cannot lie. There are two things that God cannot do. God cannot die. And God cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18. Hebrews 6.18 says that, quote, 
it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie because God cannot contradict His own infinite and eternal nature. His Word, which is the expression of Himself, is truth. Psalm 119, 160. 119, 160. The sum of your Word is truth. Jesus, in prayer to the Father, said, Your Word is truth. John 17, 17. And Jesus, who Himself is the embodiment of the fullness of God, said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the book of the Revelation, Jesus is identified by a special name, quote, faithful and true. And Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that knowledge of the truth which sets us free is not academic, intellectual knowledge about God. The truth which sets us free is the personal knowledge of God Himself through personal faith in Jesus Christ. This is eternal life, said Jesus, to know you, the only true and living God. This is the truth that sets us free. It's Jesus Christ is the truth who sets us free, free from slavery to sin and Satan. So now by contrast, Satan is identified in Scripture as a liar. Now, now we get right down to it. This is very basic. It's foundational. It's very practical. But we really need to drill into it. Jesus called Satan, quote, the father of lies, saying, listen carefully, the devil has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I want you to Really focus in on that. When God speaks, He speaks truth because He speaks out of His own character. When the devil speaks, He speaks out of His own character and He speaks lies because He's a liar, the father of lies. And you know, that takes us back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. By a sly and very subtle twisting of God's Word. Don't forget that. Twisting of the truth, twisting of God's Word. Satan deceived Eve, and then Adam swallowed the lie. So never forget, 
It was a, it was, it was a, a, a lie, but a very, very subtle, a very, a very subtle lie, which led to the fall of Adam and brought the curse of sin and death upon all creation. And any time we twist the truth or craftily deceive our neighbor, we are imitating Satan. Anytime we twist the truth or craftily deceive our neighbor, we are imitating Satan. We learned that from him. Anytime we tell a lie, twist the truth, we're choosing to conform our character to Satan's evil character to our eternal peril. We really ought to think about that and shudder and repent and flee to Jesus Christ for forgiveness. Romans 1 the divine diagnosis of the fallen, sinful nature of man, lists deceit, gossip, and slander. Deceit, gossip, and slander. Violations of the ninth commandment. Right along with sexual perversion and murder as examples of human depravity. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 tells us that the Lord hates, the Lord hates, quote, a lying tongue, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. The Lord hates these violations of the ninth commandment. Proverbs 19.5 warns us that, quote, a false witness will not go unpunished and he who breathes out lies will not escape. Proverbs 16.28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Think about that. How invidious that is. You know that. A whisperer. A whisperer separates close friends. The book of James says this about the tongue. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James 3, 5 through 8. Most of you probably remember the old saying, if you can't say something nice about someone, then don't say anything at all. Well, you know, as a matter of fact, that wise counsel actually expresses one application of the ninth commandment. The Shorter Catechism teaches us that the Ninth Commandment requires that we promote others' good reputations, and it forbids anything that injures anyone's 
reputation. Now, of course, under oath, we are to tell the truth and the whole truth, but, but this counsel has to do with our, our personal conversations and personal relationships regarding others. This, you know, this just has to do with treating others with our speech as we would want them to treat us with their speech. I don't like being talked about negatively. So I ought not to talk negatively about others. It's really as simple as that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or as another bit of wise counsel goes, don't talk about me, talk to me. So the ninth commandment teaches us humility and meekness in speech. That is, to do no harm with our tongue. <laughs> wow. Wow. Does that have application for American culture today? What about social media? What about public discourse? Whatever happened to Christian civility and a charitable attitude toward others with whom we disagree? American culture is crumbling because we have rejected the good law of God. Instead of applying the ninth commandment to our personal interactions and our social discourse, we have instead adopted the destructive, satanic tactics of venomous slander, malicious gossip, false accusation, and character assassination. And in recent years, we have seen it in the public square. People are willing to perjure themselves in order to accomplish a political goal. It is destruction. The words of the prophet Isaiah spoken more than 700 years before Christ ring true today. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Isaiah 59, 14. When we reject the law of God, we bring destruction upon ourselves. So perhaps the children's catechism sums it up the best with its simplicity. What does the ninth commandment teach us? Always to tell the truth. But why ought we always to tell the truth? Because God always tells the truth, and we were created to be like Him. The problem is that we don't. And God in His Word has truthfully told us. He has told us the 
truth, he has told us that he will judge the secrets of our hearts according to the truth, truth with a capital T, the truth of his righteousness, even every idle word. So once again, the law of God shows us our sin and proves to us that we cannot be saved by works of the law because none of us has kept the law of God perfectly. Once again, the law of God reveals our sin, exposes our guilt, and points us to the only Savior of sinners, Jesus Christ. Now, sinner, set your eyes of faith on Him, the living Word of eternal truth, the human embodiment of absolute divine truth. Set your eyes on faith of Him and see Him as Satan tempted Him with word-twisting, enticing lies. Jesus, as our substitute and as our representative on our behalf for our salvation, repelled Satan with the truth of God's Word. And then think about it. Set your eyes of faith on Jesus Christ. If ever malicious slander, evil gossip, and false accusations were hurled against a man, they were hurled against this man, Jesus Christ. If ever false witnesses conspired against a man, it was against this man, Jesus Christ. At his trial, a mockery of truth and justice. As false witness after false witness testified against him, he was the only man who spoke the truth. And when Jesus stood on trial before Pontius Pilate, he gave a true witness. He bore true witness about himself even though it would lead to his own death. His death in the place of guilty liars such as you and I. As the Scripture says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. 1 Peter 2.22 and following. Now this is the glory of the gospel. This is the mystery of our salvation. This is the miracle of amazing grace that it was for our malicious slander, our satanic lies, our false witness, our gossip and ill speaking, that Jesus was condemned to die on the cross. 
The gospel of God's amazing love is that the eternal judge of righteousness and truth is also the Savior full of grace and mercy for sinners. He took our place and bore the wrath and suffered the condemnation we deserved. All our lies were laid upon Him and charged to His account as He bore our sins in His body on the tree. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Do you you see Do you see that that false witness, the violation of the ninth commandment, was right at the center of those last events which which led to his crucifixion? They had been a he had encountered them his whole ministry long. This This is what a violation of the ninth commandment does. It crucifies Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? It's the truth. Jesus Christ, the human embodiment of eternal truth, offered up Himself as the atoning sacrifice so that liars, you and I, might be forgiven and receive eternal life from the God of truth. And He is the God of truth, and He's proven that He's the God of truth because He rose from the dead, the faithful and true victor over sin and Satan. The God of truth has conquered the father of lies. And if you abide in Jesus' word, you are truly his disciple. If you abide in Jesus' word, you are truly his disciple and you will know the truth. You will know him. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know Him, and He will set you free. Free from the slavery of sin and Satan. For life everlasting. In peace with the God, the infinite and eternal God of infinite and eternal truth. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you for your love, how we thank you for your grace, how we thank you for your mercy, how we thank you for your word of truth, how we pray that we would love your law, your word, and by the grace and power of your Holy Spirit, resolve evermore to live according to it, to walk in your ways to keep your commandments, to bear much fruit pleasing to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord and to the glory of your name, amen. In response to the glorious gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith, the faith of the one church of Jesus Christ throughout history and throughout the world as we say together the Apostles' Creed. Christian, In whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father.